When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on buying wine for the booze bus, gift card quandaries, fold-over cards, unexpected visitors during naps, and a question about saying thank you instead of I'm sorry. Plus your most excellent feedback etiquette salute and a postscript segment on thank you notes. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, your extra question of the week is about what to do with your purse at a party. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute on this last day of 2018. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Happy almost New Year, cuz. Happy advanced New Year. I know. I'll tell you what I did next week. (laughs) I have some idea. What? Well, I know what. I'm going to be doing. Yeah, what are you going to be doing? Because as I was leaving the house this morning, my lovely wife, Pooja, says to me, remember, we have a date a week from Monday. And were you very confused? A little bit. I was doing the math in my head. (laughs) It wasn't coming out right. Is that New Year's? Yeah, that's New Year's. I think that's probably New Year's. (laughs) She really wants to go hear music and dance. That's awesome. I think we'll go to the Zen Barn. Oh, fun. Local restaurant run by a very good friend who's getting a reputation for having good music and... It's not too far. We could stay out till like 10 o'clock even. I heard that that was the proposed time. <laughs> I was laughing like Dan is is sitting there going, this is awesome. Wife's excited and I get to go to bed before midnight. <laughs> Loving it. <laughs> very nice. Well, on this very last day of 2018, shall we maybe answer some listener questions? Let's get to it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Sustaining members, remember to put sustaining members somewhere in your email. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. 
Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled, Buying Wine for the Party Bus. Dan and Lizzie, your podcast gets me through my commute. Well, once a week, now that I'm all caught up. And more importantly, has helped me to navigate several sticky situations. I have a situation of my own that I'd like you to weigh in on. I was recently asked to be a personal attendant, and my husband was asked to be an usher for a family member's wedding. We accepted and are thrilled to be part of the day. We recently received some detailed instructions that have caught us a bit off guard. We've each been tasked with supplying booze for the party bus. As the instructions state, supply wine for party bus. I'm not sure if this is just a Midwest thing, but very common to rent a bus that party hops the wedding party to multiple bars between the wedding and reception. I've been involved in this at several weddings, but never once have I been asked to supply alcohol for another couple's wedding festivities. Are we out of touch here? We're particularly peeved because I won't even be going on the bus. I'll be entertaining the 16-month-old, likely very cranky by that point, ring bearer. Would you recommend we do or say anything other than to simply show up with our assigned beverages, beer and wine? We'll need to clarify the number of people to provide for, but the wedding party is huge, and I have conferred with a bridesmaid who was not assigned any such task, so I imagine we're providing for the whole group. Again, I love your approach to these social dilemmas and can't wait to hear how you handle this. Cheers, Anonymous. Anonymous, I'm almost as curious how you're going to manage that 16-month-old at this wedding, how they're going to bear this ring. I... I'm imagining some supervision, maybe you holding their hand as they walk with a little pillow. It should be adorable. I feel like I would be more thrilled to be taking care of the 16-month-old, even in, like, cranky pants situations, as opposed to, like, the bridal party who's like that's, like, herding cats sometimes. But these are a couple things that we actually don't touch upon in Emily Post Wedding Etiquette are the personal attendant who kind of acts to, to corral the bridal party and make sure that everyone's wearing what they're supposed to be and where they are supposed to be. And that's sort of the job of a wedding planner 
sometimes, depending on the roles. So sometimes this is a cousin or a friend or a sister-in-law. Other times, you know, it is actually someone that you've hired. So it just depends on how you're working it. But I am less familiar with the tradition of the party bus going to bars in between the wedding and the, the ceremony and the reception. And my guess is that it's a part of the personal attendance job to coordinate that party bus and make that all go well. And I feel like this is one of those things where I really wish they had explained that to you when they talked about what the tasks of the personal attendant were. I think it puts you at an unfair situation to bring up quite a large task, it sounds like. I mean, this is you're responsible for people while they're consuming a lot of alcohol, it sounds like. And actually, you're responsible for the child while the people that you've paid for to go on this party bus are consuming the alcohol and your husband gets to be one of them because he's an usher. I think. And so it's this is a very awkward situation that you have been put in. We would like to sympathize with that. (laughs) At some point, I want to jump to a very simple answer. Jump in. But I kind of want to join you down in the weeds for a minute. Okay. Because in that spirit of answering an etiquette question in the best etiquette frame of mind, I'm trying to imagine the scenario that the other person is in in the most positive light. Okay. If a personal intendant, if part of their duties or assignments are to manage transitions, sort of getting people's stuff around as well. They're, they're not on stage with that whole bridal party, but right. they're checking outfits. Maybe they're moving bags and they've got some bags with, I don't care, I'm trying to picture it, hair stuff yeah. or coats for transitions. It's fun to imagine things. <laughs> if there's cold weather outside. Anyway, your, your transitional assignment might include a bottle of champagne or wine for that bridal party as you transition from ceremony to festivities. Mm-hmm. More like a toast, a, a ceremonial toast as opposed to a, a providing alcohol in between all the alcohol, which is in between. Alcohol. Exactly. And I'm imagining, and this question's asked explicitly in the in the question, that this might not be booze for everybody attending the wedding. This might no, be... No, no. This definitely is not booze for everyone attending the wedding. It's just for the bridal party who does this particular thing. So in the category of combs and hairspray or hair barrettes or the things that you might need for a transition. In that spirit, I'm imagining this person thinking of this as not a huge ask, as a festive ask, as as a a little request, something that they're... And something they're a little familiar with, too. They said they've seen this. This is a part of this tradition. Exactly. At the same time, having done all that, having said to myself, you know, this person isn't making an unreasonable or out-of-line ask... I have two options when I am faced with it or confronted with it. One, I can just do it if it's relatively easy to do. If I've got a favorite bottle of champagne or wine that I think everybody will enjoy and I can bring one or two and it's not too difficult, I can just do that and say this is one of the ways I'm going to contribute to the wedding. You also don't have to. Because this is a non-standard, non-traditional ask or if it's something you're not comfortable with, it's okay to say no. It's a request that's been made and for me the – good etiquette in how you say no is that you say no clearly and that you don't say it with anger or blame or accusation, that you just decline this request that's been made of you. Maybe it's something that you would rather not do. Maybe it's something that's just not going to be easy for you to do for any of the reasons that Lizzie's talking about. You're going to be managing a lot of things and you want to help the best ways that you can. It's too bad that this wasn't discussed when you first took that job of personal attendant. 
but you might be able to open up the conversation by asking to talk about the job of personal attendant and what's going to be easy for you to do and what's not as you get closer to the wedding. And the sooner you have that conversation, the better it's going to be, the easier it's going to be. Lizzie, do you have any thoughts about degrees, sort of how you might approach those different things? It's a tough one because you are essentially, you know, it is about money and that can feel really awkward to talk about at some points. But I think that starting with something like, oh, Monica, you know, I got the message about the party bus and I think it's great that you want to supply everyone. I didn't realize this would be something that we would be assigned to take care of. And I think I'm not feeling that comfortable being the one assigned to this. Is there a way it could be reassigned to someone else? And I think that that's the kind of way that you can go about it is just to to express your own comfort level with it and to also express that you didn't realize you would be the one tasked with this. I think it is coming out of left field for you, even though you've been a part of these party buses before, so we're kind of familiar with them. But it it's not something you realize would be your direct task, especially since you aren't participating in it. I don't think you have to only pay for things that you will then consume, but I think that this feels a bit like you aren't the bride's best friend. You aren't the bride's sister supplying and, and contributing to this. You know, you're not even in the wedding party and you're asking to contribute. There is the question of whether or not the ask is really being placed on your husband, who is a part of the wedding party and and probably would be on this bus. And if that's the case, I would consider from his perspective whether being a part of it makes him feel a little more like, hey, I'd be willing to contribute. I can't take care of all of it. And then there, that is another conversation you could have. And just kind of remove yourself, not divorce the couple, but separate your social obligations as a couple into, well, he is a part of this and I am not. I'm over here doing this thing instead. That would be my my way of parsing that one out. I like it. I wasn't finding the language coming easily myself. I, I was even imagining maybe saying something along the lines of, I'd be happy to bring a bottle of champagne. If you're going to want more than that, you might want to talk to some other people or yeah, it'd be Look great into if we it could yourself. do many hands making this work, yeah. And to me, that starts to tiptoe up to that question that is asked in the question of exactly how many people am I thinking of here? Is yeah. it both wedding parties? Is it one wedding party? Is it the whole bus for each stop? Is it just to get things rolling? I think definitely a conversation's in order, and you can decide how open-ended you want that conversation to be. Whether it's questions that are very broad, then you can trust yourself to respond based on what you're hearing, or you can come in with a desired outcome that you really want to put on the table. Anonymous, we hope that this wedding is a smashing success. I wish you good luck managing that 16-month-old and hope that the discussions go well as far as the booze on the bus is concerned. Hey, now, wait a minute. Who said anything about drinking? I thought all you said was they found a bottle in the car. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Our next question is about a gift card quandary. Hello, folks. I have an etiquette question that I have been thinking about for weeks. I recently got married, and we received a very nice wedding card and a $100 gift card from my husband's boss and wife. 
They did not attend the ceremony. It was a very small guest list for family and a few close friends. His boss and wife are wonderful people and very generous to all their employees. I immediately sent them a very nice thank you card. A few weeks later, when I went to redeem the card online, I was told it had a zero balance. I was the only one to scratch the PIN number off the card. The date on the back of the card was 2011. I contacted the company and was given the history of the card. It was used in full back in December of 2012. I am not doubting that this was an error on their part, as they give out over 100 gift cards to their employees at the holiday party. What should I do? If something like this happened to me, I would want to give a replacement gift, as this was the original intention. Do I just let it go, knowing this could be very embarrassing? I need help, as I have no idea how to handle this. Signed, The Gift Card Quandary. I think that this is quick and simple. You definitely speak up for exactly the reason you state. You would want someone to tell you if the gift card that you had issued to them didn't work. And I think that's the exact way to approach it is, Heather, I was so excited to receive the generous gift card that you gave us and was just thrilled with the choice of store. Whatever you want to say to just say you positively received this. You could start out by saying, Heather, I was so excited to receive this generous gift card. However, when I went to actually use it, there was an error. Is there any way that we can get a replacement card? And then she can say, oh, my gosh, yes, do you know more about what happened? And then, you know, you can go through it. I don't think that it it's going to make the other person feel like it was their fault you don't have to say, well, it was already used. You know, you don't have to go there. You can just say there was just an error and they said I couldn't use it. I would love to be able to. <laughs> I love the sample language that you included in our show script. Oh, what was it? You said, is there any way to fix the card or still redeem it? We would really love to use the gift. It was so thoughtful. There you go. <laughs> I was like, ding, 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 Lizzie Post. When I read this question, I sort of gulped a little bit. I, to me, it feels awkward. In fact, you actually wrote, um, comma, gulp, period. So awkward, period. Feels that way, period. Doesn't have to be, period. And I was reminded of all that, that it really doesn't have to feel awkward when I read your sample script. Because it's clear, and you're applying that great etiquette concept of treat other people the way you would want to be treated. And as Gift Card Quandry mentions in the question... She would want to know. She would want to hear this herself. And I think that's a great standard to apply. Gift card quandary, good luck with the conversation. We think you can have it with confidence and knowing that this is probably an easy, easy fix. That'll knock a hole in the budget. Maybe not save so much this week. No, budgets ought to allow for this sort of expense. Dan, this next one is directed at you. Foldover cards. For years, I have used personalized note cards for most of my letter writing. They force short notes, which is just right for me. Now, however, as I'm putting together checks for holiday tips for the great service people in my life, I'm wishing I had fold-over cards. As I put checks in the envelopes, the folded cards would cover the check, giving some privacy and security to the mailing. I don't know what should be printed on the front of the fold-over cards. It seems too all about me to have my name emblazoned large, ta-da, across the front. But there should be something on the front. I don't want thank you, since that limits how the cards can be used. What's the right expected common thing to put on the front? Thank you so very much, D. D, thank you for your question. We love talking about stationery yes, on the show, do. and it's a perfect time to talk about it. First, I want to just go through and offer golf clap applause for your good etiquette right down the list. 
um, great job doing annual tipping, thinking of those service people in your life and getting them a little something. It is a really nice tradition to observe. I also want to applaud your etiquette instincts about keeping your name off the front of a foldover card. Ta-da! You're right in that that does get a little bit celebratory of you. (laughs) And that's really not the point here. You're really wanting to keep the focus on the content of the message you're delivering and this person who's receiving this really nice holiday or annual gift. So what does go on the front of that card? I want to throw this one back to my cousin Lizzie Post, who does something really cool on the front of some fold-over cards. What do I do? Which one? Because I've I've gotten multiple ideas. I like how you draw it yourself. I do. I hand do a lot of mine and sometimes will upload them to some kind of print-on-demand site so that I can then print a bunch of them if I want a lot. Um, But I I do. I try to handwrite something on my cards. So if I'm sending such a card, I will handwrite the thank you on it if it's a thank you card or maybe, you know, a seasonal message or something like that. You can keep it really, really simple. Um, It doesn't have to be complicated. Even just the word, you know, happy or cheers or something like that is simple. I also tend to go, it's really easy to find foldover cards that have just a little tiny image on them. And I often get a pack that has like a three or four different images images on it. One's like a pineapple and the other's a butterfly. And you can find all kinds of different things. And I find those to be simple and you can use them for just about anything as well. Those are my favorites. Some sort of design component or element that it might be seasonal. It might be related to the message. Some people don't like thank you on the front. And one of the reasons a lot of people don't like thank you is that it's only single purpose use. Sometimes you're using these cards for things that aren't thank yous. It also in some people's minds, starts to feel like that's putting the message that you want to communicate with your words on the inside, on the front of the card. You don't want to lean on that too heavily. But you don't, Yeah, you don't want it to take the place of the thank you on the inside. And that's, yeah, exactly. At the same time, a fold-over thank you card with a thank you on the front isn't the worst mistake you can make. It's just something to be aware of as you're making the choice about what you want on the front. And you might choose one of those images or design elements, the pineapple for hospitality, the butterfly for it's summer. (laughs) (laughs) For it's summer, yeah. I do like, if you feel confident doing the handwriting, I I just order blank ones so that I can write congratulations or thank you on it. And it feels a little more connected when that message is handwritten and then you open up and see the handwritten message that goes with it that's the longer note. The other one to do that I think is really classy and works for everything is having it monogrammed with your initials. And you can do that with one of your initials. You could do it with, if you have three names, three. You could do it with two if you wanted. Those are always an option. I've used ones with L's, E's, E-A-P's, L-P's, P's throughout the years and they've all been they've all gotten used up and sent out because I enjoyed having them. So I think you have quite a lot of options for style. I use a couple different kinds. For work, I use ones that we had when the 19th edition came out or I think it was when the 18th, the 18th edition, edition came, came out. out. Yeah. And, and they say thank you. They actually do say thank you on them. I didn't think it was the best choice we ever made <laughs> in cooperation with our publisher, but personally, I use a whole variety of different cards that we have in a writing desk at home. Yeah. Final thought. Final thought. If you really love your stationery and you want to geek out on it, think about getting paper and envelopes that match those other cards that you send people. So oftentimes within the stationery wardrobe, you'll have different options. You'll have envelopes, monarch sheets, full sheets, correspondence cards, and fold-over notes. And if it really matters to you, getting 
uh, coordinated foldover note to go with those correspondence cards that you really like might be a way to start to build that stationary wardrobe and present as a, a complete set. <laughs> Dee, we hope this helps. Happy writing. You know, Nora, that's not bad at all. With a little practice, you'll be a wizard writing letters. Thanks, Walter. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next question is titled Unexpected Visitor. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. What is the etiquette regarding unexpected visitors to one's home? I'm pregnant with my second child and have been taking naps more frequently in order to prepare for the birth of the baby. The other day, someone kindly dropped off a present for us, but it happened to be during nap time, and I didn't feel fully awake when I went to answer the knock at the door. I thanked the gift giver several times and tried to smile as brightly as I could, but was it rude of me not to invite her inside the house? Thanks. Anonymous. I think, I mean, a little bit depends on your doorway and and maybe how cold it was outside or the weather. But I think for the most part, you were in good stead here. You had just woken up for a nap. You're a mom of two. I think it's really tough to to make someone feel bad for not being ready to receive you at random knocks at the door. So I think you you're fine. And you know, you might even say next time, I'm terribly sorry. Normally I would invite you in, but you've caught me right in the middle of a nap and I, I just am I'm not quite all here right now. I hope we can get together another time. Thank you so much for dropping this off. Let them know that this just wasn't the time, but that, you know, this is such a welcome surprise. Thank you so much. I think those are the kinds of things you want to put out there. If someone has a tendency to do this to you and just randomly drops things by and maybe even acts a little annoyed that they aren't being brought in, that's one where I would make an effort at some point to say, I've noticed this has happened a few times. And I just wanted to say it's a little easier for me if I get a heads up. And if I don't respond, there is a good chance I'm napping on the couch right now because it's the only nap I can catch. Planning out a visit would really help me right now. And that's another way to go. But it sounds like these are folks just dropping things off that they're not really expecting to come in. And again, short of they were in the sleet, rain, freezing cold, I think that or or burning heat, I think you're in good stead to just accept the gift and say, I'd love to see you another time. I'm so sorry. I even want to go one step further. What are you going to say? I want to say it's okay not to answer the door. If you're in the middle of a nap and it's an unexpected visit, if it's (laughs) not a planned visit. (laughs) Obvious. It's not so obvious because you you want to be accommodating. You hear that knock at the door and the impulse is go see who it is. Some of us don't get a lot of unexpected visitors and curiosity would just overcome any tiredness or napping state that I was in. It's like paralyzing fear of I don't know who's at my door. (laughs) But you don't have to answer your door and you don't have to explain why you didn't either. Mm -hmm. I was napping. I was asleep. I didn't hear the doorbell or I didn't want to get up to come answer it are perfectly reasonable courses of action to take. Anonymous, we think your etiquette is just fine in this situation. Rest well and take good care of yourself getting ready for that little baby. This 
This next question is a follow-up question to responding to I'm sorry, if you followed that. <laughs> On your recent episode, you talked about apologies and how to respond to them. I have a related question. I read an article a ways back that indicated somebody should not apologize for, as an example, being late, but rather focus on the positive from the article. And then this is a quote. Take being late, for example. Instead of rushing in and saying, sorry, I'm late, try using appreciation instead. This little script flip changes a situation from being fault-based yours into gratitude-based i.e. warm fuzzies for your coworkers. I'm all for the thank you for waiting, but to me, if you're legitimately late to the point that you feel the need to call attention to it in some way, the apology is the synchronon of the interaction. I'm sorry I'm late. Thanks so much for waiting. Makes sense, but just thank you for waiting doesn't. Curious to know your thoughts. Thanks for the great podcast from RW. R.W., raise my hand in agreement with you. <laughs> Absolutely. This is a thoughtful reply to a reply. Yeah. This is a thoughtful approach to the importance of expressing apologies or regret, but also to keeping it significant. It, there's an awareness here of a problem that I think many people are becoming more aware of, which is the apology or the I'm sorry becoming overused mm -hmm. and losing its impact or effectiveness. That when the I'm sorry becomes a habitual response or reply or when people are apologizing for things they don't feel they should need to apologize for or aren't even really thinking that they need to apologize for it necessarily but are just saying, oh, I'm sorry, as a almost a filler in conversation right. or a way to minimize a contribution or an approach that – it does start to lose its impact and sincerity, genuine believability are all important things for magic words to function and work the way that they're intended. Having said all that, they remain important. Mm -hmm. And exactly as RW says here, if an offense has risen to the point where you're going to interrupt a meeting to acknowledge it and generally speaking, the etiquette when you're late is that you minimize the amount of the distraction if you can just get in and not disrupt the meeting. Mm -hmm. That's the effective and appropriate etiquette. You offer your apologies later mm -hmm. or at a break or when it's appropriate. Don't add to the distraction. If you're doing those things, if it is required of you, an acknowledgement of that would be an appropriate and important part of that. So I don't always want to remove that apology from the toolbox. I think it's really important to have it there. But I also like the thinking about it, the using it intentionally that's going to keep it magic and keep it really effective. What I find like that doesn't resonate well with me from the quote that RW gave us is the line, the line that says this little script flip changes a situation from being fault based yours into gratitude based. It doesn't change the situation. You're still at fault for being late. You're just choosing now not to recognize it and not to recognize its impact on the other people, but to express your gratitude for the fact that they did wait for you. But here's my problem with that is that it assume when you leave out the apology, then it just assumes 
that they were willing to wait for you, you know, or that they were willing to excuse your absence and and tardiness. And I think that that's not something I want to get into. I don't want to assume um, in those business situations when I'm trying to build trust with other people or with family when, you know, it might really matter, either making an impression or continuing to keep bonds. And same with friendships. It's not It's not a place where I want to feel the need to shirk that responsibility in any way, shape or form. Like it's an OK. It's easy to say, I am sorry for being late and to recognize that you that you just caused that that uh, awkwardness for the group. It's a, that's an easy thing to take responsibility for. So do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oftentimes the answer to any question that is about either or or is both and more. Yes! You don't want to throw away the accepting responsibility to get to the appreciation and warm fuzzies. Yeah. That those two can pair together really nicely. And that's where RW ends up in this question. I think that's the spot you want to be. RW, thank you so much for giving us a chance to explore this piece of advice. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Sustaining members, remember to put sustaining members somewhere in your question. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question or feedback on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And this week, we have feedback from Tracy about plus ones and gifts for the guest house. Hi, I just heard your plus one problems and so related. I had a variety of people wanting to bring plus ones to our wedding, from them just writing their boyfriend's name on the RSVP card to just showing up with them. Oy vey. I did have one friend call and ask if it was a mistake that her boyfriend's name was left off, and I explained space issues slash only having engaged couples. However, we came to an agreement that if I had any RSVP knows, he could have their space. It was a bit of an awkward conversation, but we were both honest, and at the end of the day, I did have a no. He came to the wedding, and it worked out well. This may be an option for your bride. Also, I remember a question a while back about hostess gifts for staying at someone's vacation home. And I have to share. Liberty Puzzles have these amazing, intricate, laser-cut puzzles with amazing, fun puzzle piece shapes like snowflakes and ballerinas. I bought it the first time I stayed with my boyfriend's family at their timeshare in Hawaii, and it was a big hit. It's a substantial gift and a way to buy something for the family instead of individual gifts. Thanks so much for the great show, Tracy. Tracy, I couldn't agree with you more. Liberty Puzzles, we're actually a huge fan of them in the Post family. Dan's raising his hand. We give them. We receive them all the time. This is a good gift. Pooja picked the Liberty Puzzle that was the house guest gift that we gave last summer after our Vineyards Day. Awesome. It's So in our family, these puzzles actually started with Emily for us. And we had a room that had the only TV in the house on our, in our big Emily Post house on the Vineyard. And it was this like offshoot room that was called the puzzle room. And it had like wicker furniture. It was kind of a sun porchy. It was like a sun porchy enclosed at, tacked on to the roof because you could see the roof on the side of the wall. Like it was a cool room. 
But it had these puzzles. And I even remember one night, it was it's always a race to finish the puzzle before your vacation ended. And so I would remember waking up as a little tot and coming in when all you teenagers were up, staying up real late, probably doing all kinds of things. But like <laughs> these puzzles are addictive and satisfying they and are. they're really challenging. And they have like pairs and numbers and letters and shapes and things in them. And Liberty Puzzle is a modern company doing this. And it's been really cool and fun to explore the the options that they have. They don't sponsor the podcast, but this is a this is a definitely a great go to gift. They are substantial. They are definitely a thing. <laughs> They've recreated the art of the handmade jigsaw puzzle using this Laser, newer technology. Yeah. The, the the antique puzzles are pastime puzzles. Yep. And definitely you can find them. <laughs> check them out. They're also really incredible. And they make great house gifts because they're fun things to do on rainy days. They become uh, a possible activity if you're at a vacation home or a summer home where usually you want to be on the beach or out on a boat or something, but it's not always possible. The final thing I'll mention is a post-family tradition of signing in pencil with a date when you complete a puzzle on the inside of the puzzle box. So I've definitely had the occasion Mm -hmm. or the experience of choosing a puzzle. You open up, you take a look at the underside of the lid. Who did it when? And you see that your grandparents did it in 1967 with your parents when they were newly engaged. Mm -hmm. Or I had the experience recently of, of being part of a wedding and the grandparents of the people in the wedding had done some of these puzzles with my grandparents two, three generations ago. They will tell you about them. They're really unique, a really fun bonding gift for sure. Thank you for mentioning puzzles. Clearly you've hit a sweet spot here. (laughs) My most recent one says on the box, Lizzie, 2011 to 2018. That's how long I had the puzzle just on the table going for seven years. We could talk about puzzles all day. We could. But it's time to get to a postscript. Yes. So it's time for our postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And I feel like this is going to become an annual tradition. It should be. The last week of the year. It's appropriate. I think we are going for it. It is our annual postscript on thank you notes. Tis the season. Tis the time. Break out your stationery that you just received for Hanukkah or Christmas or just because someone loves you or just because you love yourself. And get out your pens, get ready, think about wonderfully expressing all the amazing gratitude you feel and keeping our postal service alive. It's an opportunity, not an obligation. Do you have to do it? No. Do the thank you note police exist? Are they going to come get you if you don't? No. Is someone likely to come me or Lizzie Post and wrap you on the knuckle with a ruler? Oh my gosh, never. Don't do this? Absolutely not. The second you start thinking to yourself, do I really have to do this? Oh, do I have to do this today? Am I going to do this this weekend? It gets more and more difficult to do. Keep Lizzie Post's voice in your mind. Think to yourself, it's time to write thank you notes. You know, I'm going to write some thank you notes this afternoon. If that's your first thought, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to thank people. It's an opportunity to connect. It's an opportunity to feel good about meeting social expectations in a relationship in a way that's really going to satisfy people gratitude is important. It's important to our own sense of happiness, our ability to appreciate the good things in our life, the people, the things that support us is intimately connected to our happiness. 
It's, gratitude challenge is actually one of the best things you could take on as a New Year's resolution this what's year. What's the gratitude challenge? Oh, you haven't heard of these? There are all different ways to do them. Um, the one I had started with was just you pick just three things to be grateful for each day. So I've I've got tons of notebooks that are just filled with three things I was grateful for. And you write and, it down. Yep, and I, you do it in the morning and at night. So it's in the in the morning. It really helps you look for more things to be grateful for to then write later that night. The other gratitude challenge that I've heard about is where you pick one new thing to be grateful grateful for each day. And it starts to get really challenging. And you can parse things down as small as as you want, you know, to moments with people as opposed to just people you're grateful for. But it forces you to start looking for things to be grateful for. And that's the kind of change that can can really change your outlook. It's the kind of thing I think that our listeners feel when they say, you know, just talking about consideration, respect and honesty changes how I feel about things. Um, as someone who has not always been happy on a daily basis, I can say it was one of the most impactful things to help get me happy. I've heard this again and again and again. Gratitude is important, and it's important in relationships. It's important to individuals. It's important how we receive gratitude from other people. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. And it's important that we make it explicit in the way we operate. So what an opportunity we have in front of us at this time of year right now. Absolutely. So who are we writing thank you notes to? Typically, we write them to people that we did not open a gift in front of. We weren't able to express that gratitude in person. So maybe it was a godparent or a friend or a a relative who lives far away who sent you something this year. Those are the people that, that kind of get the obligatory thank you note. Unless you've already established that text messages and phone calls are preferred. <laughs> Something that I've been thinking about recently is the way this particular expectation about thanking people that haven't handed you a gift personally, Mm -hmm. where you haven't opened it in front of them, looked them in the eye, smiled, and told them how much you appreciate it, is online shopping. That with all of this online retail that's happening, every time one of those gifts just arrives and there's a certain ease to it just arriving, it's a great reminder that that person may not be available to thank in person and you want to start growing that thank you note list kind of in like your mind as each of those packages each, each appears box, at the door. Say, each box is an opportunity as opposed to an obligation. I like that, Dan. I like that. Let's talk about the mechanics of that note just a little bit. Okay. What does it do look like start? itself? Uh, content. What do you say? You say thank you. <laughs> oh, That's sorry. Simple. Was that too obvious? <laughs> what else do you say? Uh, so you definitely started out with a greeting. Dear Dan, it was so great to see you at Thanksgiving. I was so excited to receive your gift this year. The purple color is amazing. I can't wait to wear it. It's going to go with everything I own. Really hoping to see you in January. Love, Lizzie. Many thanks again. (laughs) I like it. Something that personally connects to the person. Something original. Some thought that makes that message unique and significant. Something about the thing that you're thanking for in particular And an explicit thank you. You've got three thoughts there, three complete sentences. And a wish for the future. Anything else, a follow-up action or a a, a forward-thinking thought starts to become a really nice bonus. Now you're into that four, maybe even five-sentence territory. Guess what? This note's getting a little long. (laughs) Love, sincerely, all the best, with regards, affectionately, yours truly. So we've got the note. Now, we either have to address it and and send it, which we can do very easily, although many of us do get stopped at this point in the in the process, which is why it is nice to have stamps at the ready all the time. Or 
As many of our listeners have written in over the years and told us, this is a moment where if you as a family are sending thank you notes or you're sending thank you notes to a family, this is kind of a nice time to package them all up together. And so it's okay if I'm writing to Dan and Pooja this year for me to write both notes in separate cards, put their names on the separate envelopes, and then put both cards in one envelope to mail to the two of them. That would be totally fine. It's it's really nice for families that have sent to families. So, you know, when you and, and Pooja send to your friends out in California, it's okay for that to be one note to a family. Dear Murphys, thank you so much for all the amazing avocados. I don't know. I'm just taking guesses. <laughs> We're avocado happy these days. <laughs> so I keep wanting to think of more things to add to the to-do list, but that's really pretty much it. You write a note and send it to the person. Well, the other thing to remember, too, is that it's now kind of a week after most of the major holidays are finished. And we're starting to get into that territory where people wonder, so do I send a note if I wait too much? I don't want to send it just yet. I'm still on vacation. Send this note any single time that you sit down, write it, and get it ready to go. It's get it out the door if you can, but it's always as soon as possible, and it's never too late. Try to get them all finished by the next holiday. So before Valentine's Day, it's usually a really good idea. Okay, wait a minute. I just thought of one more thing that I could ask. Okay, what? What about kids that aren't old enough to write thank you notes yet? I'm thinking Anisha Senning. Totally, totally, totally. Well, she is old enough to scribble at this point, right? Loves to draw on things. She just for the first time pointed at a scribble and told me it was Raju or Mama or Dada. Oh, I know. it's ha- expression is happening. Yeah. So you and Pooch can write the notes for her and sit down and have her be a part of the note writing. Talk to her about them. Even ask what she might like. She might say the color or something like that. And then you can do... Thumbprints, handprints, drawings, stickers. I get all kinds of things from my goddaughters, and I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, definitely have your little ones who are too little to write them themselves participate in some way, shape, or form. I'm guessing age-appropriate participation is suggested at every stage of social development? Yes, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because I just can't leave thank you notes without one other thought. What? You mentioned get them out before the next holiday season. I love that. Made me laugh inside. (laughs) What are some other occasions? What are some other opportunities over the course of the year where a thanks might rise to the significance of a handwritten thank you? Anytime you're being celebrated, you want to send a handwritten thank you to the host and to any any guests who brought gifts for you. Um, This is not a a pre-written thank you note. This isn't pre-address your thank you note at the party and they'll send it to you later. This is uh, a genuine act of, of gratitude that is really nice to express. So that goes for if you, it was your birthday, if you retired, if you had a baby, if you got engaged, if you celebrated a promotion or a first job, if you graduated. These are all occasions where people might send you gifts or even give them in person. And sometimes that often requires the thank you note, too, just because it really helps kind of close the deal. I don't know how else to put it. No, gift-giving parties start yeah, to rise to a parties. new level. Yeah, exactly. Are there any other times? Those are the big ones. Yeah, I, wedding, I, I mean, weddings as a whole, like all the parties associated Yeah, and I'm with thinking weddings. of some business situations. Oh, if someone's interviewed you for a position, if you've been offered a major opportunity or hit a 
or, or have a, a colleague or a coworker who's hit a major career milestone. Can you tell Dan's still in seminar mode? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Let's yay. keep him working in 2019, people. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> well, we could talk about thank yous and talk about thank yous and talk about thank yous. Or we could revisit this topic next year at about this time. I like that idea. You see, Nora, different letters have different purposes. They do all kinds of things. These are letters of thanks. Now tell me, Nora, which of these did you really enjoy the most? We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. And today's comes uh, from Thanksgiving Day Travel. And I think anyone traveling throughout the holidays is grateful for anyone being kind and patient during holiday travel. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I want to give an etiquette salute to a woman I encountered flying back home from Thanksgiving. My partner and I were able to travel on the same flights, but because we booked at different times, we were not able to get seats together. On our flight back, I got assigned the seat just behind him. Since it was a short hour and a half flight, we agreed not to bother anyone by asking to switch seats with us. When the woman assigned to the seat beside him walked up to the row, she immediately offered me her seat so he and I could sit together. We had not spoken to her before this, so she must have recognized us as being together while waiting to board. Her immediate consideration and generosity was such a warm gesture in a normally stressful time. Thank you to the woman from 11A. Many thanks for all you do, and happy holidays, Catherine. Catherine, thank you for that. It's these little stories like this remind me when I go out to travel to take a look around and see if I see a situation like that that I can help out with. Because as a single traveler, it's really easy to do things like that and just say, oh, yeah, I can just switch seats with you. I like to think I do the same, but this is such a good reminder that it really is little things that matter. Sometimes when I think about etiquette salutes, I'm thinking about gestures that are sort of big, really grand gestures. And, and sometimes those are amazing and incredible. Sometimes the amazing and the incredible lives in small moments as well. That's our show for today, and that's our show for the year. We are really excited to join you in 2019. We have no intentions of stopping this awesome etiquette train anytime soon. We need your questions. We need your feedback. We need your etiquette salutes to keep us going. So please, please, please participate in this show. Tell us how much you like it. Tell us what would make it better for you. And please consider becoming a sustaining member of the Awesome Etiquette Podcast. We are so excited to be growing that community, and we would love for you to be a part of it. Thank you to everyone who has sent us something in the last year or for this show. Thank you for your comments, your questions, your salutes. You can send your next comment or question or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also reach us by voicemail or by text. We love getting your texts at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And please, as we said, consider helping us out by becoming a sustaining member by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine, an assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget. Have a happy new year. Bye.